uh, brought by you, Patty, and bringing these guests forward. And uh, so maybe what we'll do is we'll do a little bit of an introduction, but I'll at least call their names out. And that's Chris Schmidt, who's been on this podcast way back. Um, Chris, um, my apologies. I didn't go back and look at the episode, but... Episode if, 151, I did. There you go. <laughs> so uh, episode 151, go back and listen to his episode. You'll hear all about the background there. Uh, Dr. Lee Piccarello is also on with us, as as well as um, Hunter Stevens, and they're from the Mindful Athlete. We're going to get into that discussion. The topic of this show is really around genuine leadership, and so we want to dive into that. But Patty, um, before we get started, maybe Chris, Lee, you and Hunter all kind of uh, give a little bit of a background uh, about where you guys come from. Chris, we'll start with Patty, you. Go first. Patty's got to go first. Oh, okay. Um, thanks, Robert. So Patty Collins, obviously 24-year military veteran. Um, coincidentally, Chris and I met in 2004 at you know Army Command and General Staff College in Fort Leavenworth. We met through bicycle racing, funny enough, but um, we stayed in touch. And um, obviously, I've been on your show before. I think I was episode 184. And um, Chris had asked me, Chris and I talked about coaching maybe six or eight months ago. I was going through a coaching program. And he said, hey, I would love to have you come out and do the Traverse sometime if I have enough people. And so I think you called me in May and said, hey, come be a mentor, and um, which was super exciting to me until I realized I hadn't had a rucksack on my back in about 20 years. So there was a little bit of fear. And um, I'll let folks take it over from there. But it was an incredible experience. And then meeting Hunter and Lee um, just made it exponentially better. And I thought, this is something that our listeners definitely need to hear how the mental fitness side of our game is so important and what's going on um, with these two gentlemen, particularly and how it, I think it raised everyone's game and just is something we need to look really hard at um, in our personal lives and our professional lives. Cause I think it just, I think it just makes us all stronger and better. Thanks Patty. You Chris. <laughs> right on. So I'm Chris Schmidt. Uh, I, uh, I played army for 30 years, uh, enlisted in 1986 and, and, uh, stepped away in 2016. Uh, I, I earned my gray beret in 1998 and, and I really find that, uh, those things that I learned as a special operator, those things that I learned as a green beret are key to who I am now, because I think that, um, you know, I've been able to capture the best about about enabling others' strengths and and uh, and working in a way that now I serve as a corporate green beret and I I do executive coaching. Um, I do small team team building, but really I focus on where those strengths lie, where that team can be its best, and uh, and I like to. Uh, my little best self statement is I inspire high performers to summit epic objectives through genuine leadership. And that's where that genuine leadership comes because that, that genuine leadership on the traverse is sought out on a mountain summit uh, and the journey that it takes to get to that mountain summit. Uh, so uh, I was stoked that Patty came out to, to help inspire and, uh, and Lee and Hunter both came not only uh, as clients, but also as assistant advisors. And uh, 
And I really felt like the experience that, that the clients had, and I think we had, uh, was pretty darn awesome. And I'm stoked that Patty thought, you know, right away that, hey, we need to talk to you, Rob, and, and bring this onto the show. Absolutely. Thanks for that. Lee. Thank you, Robert. Uh, my name is Lee Piccarello. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm the CEO of Mindful Athlete Training, where we are a tech-driven sports psychology company uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I first discovered Chris Schmidt via LinkedIn. Uh, he was uh, he published a, a, an article. Uh, he posted an article, excuse me, uh, emphasizing heart rate variability and the impact that high performance experiences can have on heart rate variability. I found it fascinating. I cyber stalked him just a little and uh, we connected. Uh, he was gracious enough on his East Coast trip to visit our performance lab. Uh, and we developed a, a relationship uh, discussing uh, how uh, genuine leadership and mental fitness can merge uh, to really create a, a unique entity uh, that we think is is really in dire need in today's world uh, in the military, uh, not only in uh, deployment, but in the end of career, uh, retirement, transition, dramatic life transition, as we like to call it, in the mental fitness space. Um, and, um, yeah, we went to uh, the Traverse. Uh, we were – our mission was to complement and strengthen a world-class leadership expedition – uh, which Chris and his team had done many times before. Uh, and uh, Hunter and I uh, took that with great responsibility and uh, a lot of um, emphasis on how we could infuse mental fitness into a genuine leadership experience as we ascended Mount Hollowtop at 10,000 plus feet. Uh, not only was it in a, a life experience for myself, uh, regarding uh, the perspective, action, and commitment variables that Azimuth Consulting uh, does such an incredible job in infusing into genuine leadership, but it also allowed Hunter and I to further develop our own mental fitness training programs and protocols, which we hopefully uh, can take to all aspects of the military um, sooner rather than later. Great. Thanks so much, Lee. Hunter, turning it over to you. Yeah, so uh, I'm Dr. Owner Stevens. I'm a former Division One athlete uh, turned psychologist, and I like to say that because it's important. I think to emphasize my athletic background, I uh, I bring that to everything that I do to engage with, and really it has spurned my interest in what mental fitness can bring uh, to the game. And I joined Lee about five years ago, full time too, and I was kind of the young gun for hire in terms of really amping up what mental fitness can bring to a larger global community of people. There's a lot of gaps in how people might view mental fitness, how people define mental fitness. And really my job is to be both the COO and the director of mental fitness so that I can bring more digestible language, more approachable, but also more dynamic training. That's really going to make it more um, accessible for a larger group of people so that mental fitness is just something that's a part of everyday life. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of people because they don't know where to start or they might have a definition in which they believe, and it tends to be fairly reactive after something occurs, we tend to go, and that doesn't always help and support the people after the fact. So bringing mental fitness in a dynamic approach to the Traverse was something that 
I really was excited about when I first was introduced to this, um, you know, Lee comes up to me and says, Hey, I, I found this guy on LinkedIn. He seems really cool. He has a, he has a military background and, uh, he's, he's talking about exactly what, uh, we're all about. And I said, oh, great, let's connect with him. And then I was kind of busy because I got married and at my reception, Lee comes up to me and says, Hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to go do this thing. And I'm like, what thing? He's like, we're going on the traverse. It's an expedition, a, leisure, a world-class leadership expedition. And we're going to bring mental fitness to the highest performers that we can. And that just got me super excited. And really having this opportunity was a great uh, way for us to showcase what mental fitness can bring. And I'm excited to talk to you all today about it. So Chris and Patty, I'm really curious, you know, in the very beginning when you started hearing all about this and you ended up getting engaged, what was the experience like? And especially in applying your military experience into what they were trying to describe in terms of leadership. You know, I'll lead in. Uh, last year, uh, we discovered that uh, our clients had a higher HRV on day four, so after 25 miles and summiting four 10,000 foot mountains, their heart rate variability was higher than it was on day one. So that doesn't make sense. Uh, what, where your heart rate variability should be at that point is in the cellar because your body's tired. Uh, but it wasn't because, well, what I think is you're stoked. Uh, I think that there's this, this, this cocktail of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin happening that uh, is so super positive that on day four, and you've, you've not only accomplished this physical thing, but you've made a, a plan and you threw a process we call mapping my journey. You've got a real goal about what you're going to do when you get home and how you're going to improve your life and your relationships, your business, whatever that you decide is your priority, you're going to do that when you get home. And I knew there's something more going on. Like it isn't just about your body. It's about your brain. And that's what, when, when Lee approached me, I was like, that's exactly the piece that I want to tap into is I want to be able to understand a little bit deeper uh, through really a little bit deeper of what's going on. Yeah. It, and I honestly yeah. think that uh, with Patty playing along, like Patty can bring just an enthusiasm and, uh, and a level of inspiration that uh, um, only just lends to not only the perspective action commitment piece, but um, wherever we end up taking it with Lee Hunter. Patty, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I will say I've been interested in sports psychology and really men mental fitness without knowing what the word was ever since um, probably losing my losing my leg or the injury leading up to that. So 2006 timeframe and and then through my my journey in Paralympic sport, it became more important because I knew as I was an aging athlete, like what I did in the gym or on the treadmill or on the bike. I was going to improve, but those were going to be smaller and smaller as I aged. And so the mental side opened up a whole new aperture for me. Um, and I know we're going to talk about the assessment that Lee and Hunter did prior to us hiking. And then I know I did it afterward and exactly right, Chris, my numbers were, despite being pretty darn exhausted, my, my numbers indicated that I just had this high, um, 
And a lot of it was, and I know we'll talk about the tools that Hunter and Lee presented along the route that I started putting into practice, like immediately. Um, I just also came back from like a, a pretty epic for me two day bike packing trip. And I could hear their voices like doing hard things. Chris climbed pretty good climbing. I'm thinking about perseverance and Lee at the top of the summit. I'm thinking about you have to recover your mind after <laughs> something big like mm -hmm. that, as well as your body. Um, you know, some of the breathing exercises, um, my HRV at the conclusion was 127, which was, it hasn't been that, I mean, I've only <laughs> been part of the whoop generation for three weeks and we'll, we can talk more about that, but that was epic and off the chart and was really validating what you said, Chris. Like, when you, when that? you came into this, Patty, uh, what were you expecting? What, what came to mind when you were first, you know, cause <laughs> I mean, I got all kinds of thoughts already running through my head. Um, but I'm just curious to know when you walked into this, what, what did you think? Um, I should back it up by saying there are a handful of people in my life that will ask me to do something and I will say yes before I even know what it is. And so Chris is definitely one of those people. And then, and then when I had a little bit of panic about two weeks later and said, I am completely not in shape to do this, Chris was like, of course you are. You're, you're fine. Right. So there was definitely some anticipation about, um, I hadn't gone for a four day, 25 mile hike since losing my leg 16 years ago, let alone carrying, maybe 30 to 45 pounds, depending on, on the day and what we were doing. So um, I was definitely a little bit anxious, but I think I was far more curious and fascinated and um, really excited about what could be that that was just noise. Like it was going to hurt and I was going to get blisters on my feet. That's just knowing Chris Schmidt, but you know, everything else would be. Hunter Lee, when they, when you have the uh, individuals that arrive there, what, I mean, what do you guys end up doing in terms of testing to make sure that they're going to have the physical stamina to take on maybe some of the things that you're planning on challenging them with? Yeah, I, I first want to jump out and say uh, Patty's an animal and a beast, and uh, she exemplifies <laughs> what, what mental fitness is. Something that we talk a lot about is how the uh, the mind. I had a I had a, a I had a pet name for her that's not appropriate for the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Uh, Patty, via her reaction, knows yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm talking about. But yes, uh, I'm just going to support Hunter's <laughs> yeah. sentiments that she's we, a beast. We, we talk, yeah, Enough we said. talk a lot about how the mind sets the limitation and not the body, and uh, I think she was a testament to that. But really, the whole group was. And what we do uh, with Mind Flappy Training is we um, we believe in really tracking. Uh, bio data in real time, giving real time feedback through assessment and dynamic training. And so what we do at our baseline, just like any physical trainer would do, is you're going to set the baseline. So someone's not just going to throw 300 pounds on your back. They're going to throw a PVC pipe, test mobility, test. So we do the same thing. We test, uh, we're looking for mental strength, endurance, recovery, and flexibility through a thing called BioQ, which is a mental fitness assessment. So we're identifying heart, brain, muscles, and nervous system. Chris Schmidt, you know, he, he's talking a little bit about HRV and how that's a very, very vital piece. But we look at other domains as well, again, incorporating that brain and that nervous system. And with that all together, we're really encapsulating, you know, what this person's mental fitness is. And it's not just asking questions. It's actually looking at the physiological data and how people react to different stressors, uh, how they recover, um, and as well as how do they man manage that focus and attentional control when challenges are presented. So, we did a great job of, of bringing the entire team in. We had, I think, 12 people. We did that over the span of the first day, uh, first and second day, really to just get baselines on everybody. 
uh, which was really interesting to see the different dynamics, different backgrounds, but it seemed that everybody was really engaging. And then we took it at the end and it was really interesting. Some of the data that we received, uh, we, we can back up what we saw in terms of that calm, or we like to say calm, the HRV systems that definitely increased for most people, but specifically their ability to recover. Um, their ability to recover from something challenging was really interesting. Everybody was a little mentally fatigued. So focus was a little bit down. Uh, muscle engagement was a little bit down as a result of mental fatigue, because that is your number one performance inhibitor. As I said, the mind sets that limitation, but really their ability to recover increased. They're actually their uh, motor ability increased in recovery, even though they're a little bit mentally fatigued as we saw pre and post. So it really is important for uh, the performer to understand what that mental fitness is. And really BioQ is an entry point. Um, it's a way for us to introduce what mental fitness is going to be. And then throughout the tra uh, traverse, we did a little bit of fireside chats, as we like to call them, really teaching them more about the details. And so we, we like to say that BioQ is kind of like that Rosetta Stone. It's like, oh, what's this unfamiliar, this vague, uncertain thing, my brain uh, maybe I'll talk about it, but we like to put some numbers behind it, really give you some hard data behind that physiology, really teach you about it so you can translate and be empowered, knowing what's going on underneath the surface, not just kind of, hey, let's talk about it. these are my feelings. It's these are my feelings, but your body's actually saying something different. You might feel ready to go, but your body's saying you're actually not quite there. So we really kind of set that boundary, help set people up, and then we did training throughout. Chris, what was this like for you the first time coming into this whole situation? You know, every traverse has its own twists and turns. And uh, what the reason why we did it in June is because the last two years we had wildfires uh, uh, on our southern border uh, because we were doing it in August in Montana. So uh, we moved it to June, end of June. We're going to be great. Well, we had in the Pacific Northwest uh, that extended into Montana, the longest winter this year. So um, on the Monday prior to starting the Traverse on Friday, we had 11 inches of snow. And the lake that we go up to on night one was still frozen over. And the mountain has uh, a significant amount of snow and it's warming up. So that snow is in avalanche stage and most importantly, there's a great big cornice up on the ridgeline. So there's a Greyhound bus up <laughs> on the top that's waiting to fall off. Um, so that's my context to we're going to bring in some new pieces. I, I actually experienced the bio, uh, bio queue when I was in Philadelphia in December. So I thought that, hey, this is a really valuable start or at least a way to um get a sense of how the experience moves forward because what we're talking about is mental fitness uh what we're talking about is you know there's going to be some physical fitness happening there's there's definitely going to be some some real deep conversation about what's your perspective how do you take action not only on the route but in your life so there's some deep thinking about what you're going to do when you go home and how you're going to apply to that and how you're going to commit to that on top of some, some real useful skills, which are those fireside chats that you can bring with you that will help enhance your ability to take action and make commitments. 
And what I, that's what I really like about where this is going is that, yeah, there might be, uh, I might be adding something new to the experience, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive in Lee's ability to learn how to snowshoe. <laughs> so I'm feeling confident about it. his, his eventual competence that he's going to yeah. gain by, uh, putting snowshoes on and taking them off and picking them on a couple times, uh, I'm just wrapping up my full months of therapy <laughs> to address the snowshoes. So, thank you. I'm, I'm much more uh, adept at managing that now, Chris. Thank you for that you for that mini exposure. If I could, if I could just throw in thirty seconds worth. Um, one of our key messages um, is to lean into chaos, um, and and I, I think it's so apropos when Chris shares the story of how this traverse was uniquely different, specifically the Greyhound-sized bus of snow and ice that was just waiting for, you know, the right temperature or the right breeze to come toppling down. Because while I have not been on any other traverse than this one, that was the reality that was this group. And thus the importance and the emphasis of mental fitness being more of an integral part of how we're approaching problem solving, critical thinking, decision making in the face of chaotic elements that really traditional mental health can encourage a necessary respite and the need for recovery while vital does not necessarily address the ever changing variables that when chaotic impact us in key decision makings or moments of leadership. And I think that as I conveyed to Chris while we were in Montana, this is meant to be. It was Mindful Athletes' um, baptism into the Traverse, and Chris and his team were gracious enough to invite us into their creation. And here we are faced with variables the moment that we touch down in Butte, Montana, where Chris is, is literally in the moment, uh, because of the adversity, changing the route for our safety, um, not being able to do some things that were originally part of the plan. And again, in the face of the variables that we can't control, you need to be able to identify moments of strength, endurance, recovery, and most importantly in this case, yeah. flexibility. As an, out, as an outside observer not being in the military, um, it was really a, a fantastic opportunity for us as people who are um, leaders in mental fitness to witness the organization planning and ability to shift as a result of it and the need, right, for mental fitness. And um, it really was showcasing on the team's kind of download on night one where we're sitting around before the other clients get in of, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is our execution. This is how we're going to shift. Um, Chris did a phenomenal job of geolocating some of the information and some of the, uh, the key messages that him and his team were going to present uh, for us, as well as some of our roles. And I thought that shift and that ability to be flexible, uh, although it took a moment to get into that space, was able to really utilize it as a result of their mental fitness. And really our entire goal of joining the, the team there was to enhance the experience and to bring our expertise as mental fitness to make people's perspective wider, to make their action uh, deeper, right, and their commitment longer. And I think as a result of their ability to access a deeper part of them through conversation, uh, through discussion, and then also through the physical and mental journey that is the Traverse, 
I, I think they've came came away with uh, much more of a profound experience because I went through it. And that's how I kind of know for myself, I took a better you know perspective. I, I definitely am committing more to action uh, and also committing overall as a result of it. Having that mental fitness allows me to do it. And uh, the combination, I think, worked well. How many of the people that came were used to the altitude that we were talking about? And what was, you know, what was the base altitude? Just a better, a better, a better, uh, metric is eight of the 10 had never worn snowshoes <laughs> before. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of the clients, zero of the 10 had set a tent on snow before. Um, so what we were stepping into was, an alpine winter environment, winter into spring, uh, that, that uh, you know, I clearly didn't anticipate. But that brings in the element of the curriculum now, because perspective means gathering context and gathering context from a diversity of different angles. And, and what Lee just, you know, talked about of you know, the conundrum that I'm having because I have a route and I've got laminated <laughs> cards that I was going to hand to Patty that has the geolocation of thoughts like humility, reliability, integrity, capability, courage, those those U.S. Army special operation attributes that are part of the curriculum, they're geolocated <laughs> already, but now we're not going to go that route. So uh, I'm having to... I'm having to shift those things, plus my uh, my other advisor that I plan on being there uh, called me the day before, and he had COVID, so he's no longer there. Uh, and Patty, who is going to be basically a guest senior advisor, is now <laughs> she's got the con. She's uh, stepping up into the role of a primary advisor because that's what you do, and. And Lee, Lee and Hunter got to experience then, all right, formal AAR, this is our situation. Um, and now, you know, this is the, the facts and assumptions that are playing into course of action development and a discussion on how it's going to change. And then how the five paragraph op order is used to not only convey our change for the staff, but then how that five-paragraph five op order is going to change the message and how the clients are going to receive it because we want to use those mechanisms in the experience to be able to provide a framework of communication because what we're trying to do is show that, um, you know, a, a combination of perspective action commitment um, can help provide, can bring on that genuine leadership within the framework of, of special operations and special operations and the lessons learned, we, lessons we gained in combat. But even cooler now, what Mindful Athlete can bring in in terms of mental fitness um, is really bringing a bunch of super cool tools on top of our cool tools to help the clients be prepared when they leave to take action and commit to actions that make a difference in their so lives. So you guys have 
all these plans laid out where any of the they had to all of a sudden get changed and modified on the fly. Was any of the the guests there or the people who are going to be participating? Do they realize all of a sudden the, the pivot and the quick change that may have added to a little bit of a stress factor here? <laughs> we still go up. We still go up. We still go up to the yeah. Ma- Luis Lake is the night one, no matter what. And no one knows that we're not going to continue from Luis Lake up and over when we get up to the lake and we look up at the mountain and I'm positive. Well, actually Hunter and Lee already know, but one, I guess I'm really curious because I never asked you this question. When you looked up at the mountain and saw now that, or knew now that you wouldn't have to climb that thing, (laughs) was there a bit of relief uh, that you weren't going to have to go up that big route uh, and climb middle mountain? Yeah, I mean, definitely knowing it, and uh, um, I'll I'll let Lee kind of speak here real quick. <laughs> you may have had a different perspective. So, right, per- perhaps. Um, so again, I, I shared this with the the Azimuth team the night before the, all of the clients arrived. I had conceptualized in my mind that were there were a certain number of obstacles that were going to be consistent with the traverse and this kind of speaks to mindset in general and the, the things that we emphasize the our surf model of strength endurance recovery and flexibility and i had identified and shared with the team that i was in fact rather inflexible with anything going on my feet because in my mind i was not seeing snowshoes as a tool that could aid me i was only seeing it as an obstacle thus the the obstacle that was in my way and for that reason, when it was announced that we were shifting uh, because of the weather and there was going to be a snowshoe tutorial first thing in the morning for all of the clients, I uh, made it clear what my more primal reaction was to that. And it was going to be an additional burden for me, so on and so forth. So to get to the point, Chris, when you say, how did I feel about not being able to summit that mountain at the top of the lake? I was pretty okay with it. Um, and I actually want to jump yeah. in here because I was, I think, probably in retrospect less okay because I knew we're going to walk right back down the way we came and then we're going to do another eight miles to our next objective. And I was like, that's a that's a 20k road march. We're just in the 82nd right now at this point. So I wasn't super enthused. Um but I will say Chris, you you did a great job like just estimating it was it was physically taxing for all of us at different times and I think anyone in the military listening knows like physical hardship definitely brings people together and physical hardship is a growth opportunity for all of us. And so I think it, at different times during that there was definitely growth opportunity. Um, and Lee, I don't, I don't want to like pick the snowshoe scab, but I actually, I would love if you would talk through what you talked about afterward. Um, because I'll fast forward a little bit. We, we put the snowshoes on, we walked a little, we're like, okay, I I got a new skill check. You know, I've done that. The reward is now I'm a go at snowshoe. Um, and then we had to put them back on again. And then I'm going to like, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Lee. And then and then what you said afterward, because everything that you said and were experiencing, I was like right there, but all my thoughts were like inside my head. So go ahead. So we we put the snowshoes on, um, and in my mind, it was uh, like any other challenge. Um, 
I was a former Division One football player many decades ago, and I looked at it as an opportunity to expand and test my skill set. And we, we endured for, I'll say, 45 minutes or so, uh, and we were really coming up to what we were being told was, hey, just on the other side of that ridge, we're good. Like, you know, we're we're almost Allies. home. Like, we're, we're just right there. <laughs> and we uh, we we sort of uh, fragged out and we, we sort of lost our way. Mm. Um, and there was some disorganization. <laughs> there was a an official break in contact. Yes. Well, well, well said. Uh, it felt it felt like a break in contact, and then kind of like the the whisper down the lane game, where you're slowly but surely getting pieces of information that you know more than likely are a little skewed. Was uh, hey, guess what? We got to put the snowshoes back on because there was a stretch where we had taken them off. So now what I explained in my effort to sort of work through that frustration at a later point when we were asked to uh, really reflect is that I felt that I had worked hard enough in obtaining my objective that that reward was something that I had earned. Thus, the snowshoes come off. The relief is now present. I'm more enveloped in that, that mental victory. My mental script is now more secure which is very often the case in how we might attack a problem in our critical thinking or our decision-making. But when we had to put the snowshoes back on, I felt more conflicted because the reward that I felt that I had earned was now being delayed and that gratification was not being provided. So when we were thus, uh, had finished that and we were really on the precipice of coming up to the lake, we all sort of sat and we were asked to reflect and there were some some video testimonials being you know sort of passed around and the concept that came to my mind which is one of the um core messages that we encourage at mindful athlete training is what the mind perceives the body believes and i kept saying that to myself because i was really in a state of conflict where the irony is that one of our first principles in teaching HRV is the notion of being calm. Because if you're not, if you can't be calm, you can't get focused. And without getting focused, you can't stay engaged. And that's really our, our ascension of peak performance of what we're trying to, to teach people through our mental uh, fitness training protocols. But I needed to keep saying to myself what the mind perceives, the body believes, understanding at that key moment that uh, my mind, in fact, was dictating more as to what I thought my ceiling could be, which then reminded me of what I had seen in the first Traverse video when I had researched Chris, when he was sitting on top of the mountain, I believe with Jeff, and Jeff had said, you can always go farther than you think you can. And Chris was in agreement and saying, yes, you can always go farther than you think that you can. So it was sort of that that full circle moment, but more from from my perspective, the only thing I would argue is you could probably go as far as you think you can because your mind sets that limitation. But if what you're doing is you're breaking past that limitation and thinking beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great takeaway because you think about some of the individuals that go and try to push themselves, especially within the military. If you're, you know, thinking about going in or you're currently in and you're wondering whether or not you have the, 
physical or mental capability in order to go through an assessment and maybe even go on and further your career in some different way. Some people automatically self-select and check out and everything, not realizing that they actually have higher uh, limits. They just, they've just never pushed themselves that far. But I want to, I want to go back to Hunter, you and Lee both playing division one uh, sports. There was a coach at one time frame that um, there was something that he taught the players that I really took away um, and actually have used it within business. And that was he asked them on the football field to give everything that they've got for three seconds, just three seconds. And after that three seconds to quickly assess, um, determine what they need to do to course correct or forget the thing that they may have uh, done incorrectly so that they don't beat themselves and then do it again for another three seconds. So it was sort of like reaching these individual hurdles, much like we do on a long road march. You go to the next telephone pole. Just focus on the next telephone pole. And, and Lee, you know, what I was hearing from you was I reached that, that, that stop and you, you didn't get the full gratification, yet you probably gained a little bit more confidence in, I can do this. If we're saying we're now going to go there. I'm now going to follow you because now I have a little bit more trust and faith in you as a, as a leader that you're going to guide me the right way. You taught me the right skills that I need to follow you. And, and I'm more apt to, to maybe participate in that, you know, as well. You know, one of the great things that's also going on while this self-talk is going on in Lee's head and, and honestly hunters and everyone else's is we have one of the client and are actually two clients. One's, one is the patrol leader and one's the assistant patrol leader. So it's their job to get us up to the lake. And, and as they're navigating and as we're moving along, we're doing a good job of taking advantage of the train and, and staying in spaces where the snow is more navigable because it is deep and wet and it's slippery. And there's a lot of different things going on. It's not just snowshoeing through an even field of snow we're we're on a slope and it's it's undulating and the trail is really more difficult to navigate so there's all of this individual stuff going on while this one guy philip is trying to get us there and as his own self-talk is going on he's slowly physically moving Mm -hmm. further and further back in the group Uh, and i'm watching him do that and as we get to this really crucial spot that Lee's discussing. We end up having uh, half the group in the front moving faster than the group behind it. And we have a split in the group and they were going to get to a place that was really dangerous. So I have Hunter and a handful go off down to a safer spot and we get the group back together. And this gives me a chance to grab Philip, put my arm around him and say, hey, brother, you have the courage to move to the front. But right now, something's going on inside your head. And let's just say it's maybe a moment of mental fitness that he's not feeling physically fit or mentally fit enough to be in front so he can get the information he needs because we're we're right on (laughs) The lake is a tarn, so it's a glacial dugout. So there's a big pile of rocks, and we have to get over that big pile of rocks to get into the lake. Um, and he just needs to move to the front to find that spot so he can get there and we can finish up. Yeah. We're that was one of the, I think, the greatest moments, or some of the greatest moments was the the clients leading 
each exp- each kind of leg uh, along the way and having to kind of communicate and work together because I think it forced uh, that element of their fitness because there's a there's a natural questioning when you're thrown and thrust into a leadership position. Some people naturally gravitate. Sometimes it takes people time to get in and some people don't feel like they're ever uh, right for the job, but we're kind of forced into that or pushed into that. And I think in a gracious way that's supported uh, by the Azimuth team, but I think it, it really encouraged everyone to kind of think about what their position was. And in that, that first day, it's when, it's not that he wasn't mentally fit, but sometimes the challenge of the moment, right, can uh, make that switch or require uh, you to access it. And Chris kind of acted as his internalized guide, yeah. external guide totally. of, hey, let's tap into that, what you already have. And that's really what the mind is capable of doing. It's just needing to break through that. Sometimes it does need that external. But a, a big thing is when you're proactively engaging in mental fitness training, you can actively and feel empowered to engage with it because you know what's going on. And that's something that we really try to give the team was to empower them to better understand what is going on mentally so that they can access it. And I think uh, when you're in challenging situations, it requires and forces you. And thus leaning into chaos is a really important piece of that, not shying away. We like to say, you know, a lot of people treat their minds in a healthy way by utilizing meditation. And that's a great way to to get into a nice relaxation space, uh, to reflect. But how often do you get to close your eyes and light incense or play your favorite music in the moment of performance, whether that be a speech or military aspects, a movement, uh, march, training, you just don't have that time. You can't just close your eyes and reflect. And so it's how can you be mindful in moments of challenge and moments of chaos? It's by accessing that already mental fitness that you have and training it and making it sure that it's just part of your daily regimen. Yeah, it's that, that muscle memory, but it's the 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 brain muscle memory and getting that confidence, uh, most certainly. So when you reached each of the different points and you had your fire uh, side chat and everything, I'm just curious, were you trying to assess some of the things that you just described in the journey up to that point? Uh, some of the challenges that were experienced, maybe um, allowing folks, uh, individuals to step forward and share some of their individual experiences or what was the purpose uh, mainly behind those, uh, those chats? There was two pieces of curriculum. One is the debrief in a very military way, which that happens, Robert. And then comes the fireside chat, which is mechanism and tools to help enhance the experience. So Hunter, you know, kind of walk through a fireside chat, because I think that that's, that's a key piece of, of how. Yeah. I, I think every, everybody's biggest fear when they face a, a psychologist is that we're constantly analyzing them. And really our biggest, uh, our biggest mantra too, is we're mental fitness coaches. We're here to try to enhance and make you better. And I think that's where our athletic background comes in is really it's from a coaching perspective. So we weren't necessarily analyzing, but we were definitely checking in with where people's uh, mindset was. And the debrief uh, beforehand, the kind of the more militaristic, um, either uh, was it, whether it was perspective, action or commitment or the lessons that we've learned along the way helped us also better assess where everybody was at mentally. And then the fireside chats, we focused on three core elements, which are key features in terms of mental fitness, which is your ability to get calm, stay focused and get engaged. Um, and that, those three are really important. So for a calm element that we've kind of talked about a few times, that is your foundation. If you are not calm, if you've ever been frustrated or stressed out or nervous or anxious, you know that you're not focusing on what you need to focus on, 
right? It's really hard to engage in the task in which you want. So calm is really your foundation. So something that we really focus on is uh, not just uh, the, the mind being calm, but also the physiology that comes with it. So when we're stressed out, your heartbeat goes a little bit faster. Your breathing gets a little bit shallow and quicker. Your muscles actually hold tension in. If you ever hurt, you know, in the, co- the classic, oh, my, my shoulders hurt after a long day of work, it's because your muscles actually hold in that tension. Immune system, digestive system, right, aren't functioning as high because you're in a fight-flight state. So your ability to get calm is actually a function of your also, not just ability to perform in a particular moment, but overall health long-term, right? If we're exposed to stress or that tension long-term, it's not going to be beneficial. So we teach them how to deregulate kind of, or de-stress themselves, utilizing breathing techniques, um, as well as kind of mental shifts. Uh, one of the things we like to lean on is a thing called, we, we call it stress is information. Stress is information means to not judge a particular moment because we don't know what that moment particularly means for us. Stress is a cue. But if just like any relationship, if we have a toxic relationship, it's going to be bad for us. So if you have a bad relationship with stress and you view stress as bad, you're not going to see it as a motivator, right? You're only going to see it as a hindrance. So when stress comes up, it becomes negative automatically. So it's about seeing stress as information to say, no, this is a cue. It's cueing my body to get into a tense state. Maybe I need that for high performance in this particular moment. Or maybe, you know what, I'm getting stressed out and, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in traffic. I don't really have control here. I need to make sure that I'm staying calm, right, and regulating myself. So the way in which you see things and perceive things, as, as Lee said, you know, uh, the body believes that the mind perceives, stress is that information. So this is something that we're talking about that's complementing, hey, you're taking a perspective. So now we're enc- encouraging to take a different perspective in a particular moment of how you're viewing this mountain, whether it rather than, hey, we don't get to climb this mountain, it's, hey, we have another opportunity to um, uh, explore and gain insight and understand ourselves in a different way versus, ah, oh, I didn't really get to do that. It's no, I get to do something different that's going to bring new, interesting insight into my life. Wow. I, I mean, I'm listening to this and I can, I can oh, go ahead, Patty. Um, and, and just, uh, I was going to, uh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say the first night was our our session on calm and, you know, some breathing exercises and regulation. And and I'm going to tell a quick vignette of my tent mate had never slept outside ever in her life. Super fit, could carry a lot of weight. Um, but that she was a little bit anxious about that. And I, you know, I gave her the, the typical army story of it's cold. <laughs> it was like 30 degrees cold. And if we don't like spoon, we're not going to have a great night. Right. So you just couldn't help it. I think all of us had every layer of clothing we had on and it was still, we had woke up with ice in the morning. And um, I I remember even like just lying there just being cold and starting with Mm -hmm. the breathing exercises that Hunter and Lee walked us through like two hours prior. And I didn't get great sleep, but I probably got more sleep than I would have if I had not done those exercises. And so, you know, the next morning I look at my tent (laughs) mate and I go, I just sleep. Like this night could not have ended fast enough. It was awful. (laughs) But it was, I mean, I thought that was just a simple little thing that you spent 15 minutes teaching us that. You know, you mentioned uh, the cold and everything. Again, I'm, I'm just hearing all these different things where I've seen treatments for post-traumatic stress and, and stuff around uh, cold water immersion or, um, you know, uh, other different aspects and stuff that really puts you in your uh, out of your comfort zone and challenges you to to do what you do best in a lot of cases, especially those who had dealt with um, combat in a special operations community is um, that, like you said, that fight or flight, that 
constantly going and everything else where you have to calm yourself down. But yet they also have the training in a lot of cases on the breathing techniques, on how to make sure that they get the muscle memory and understanding some of those uh, those elements. But everything you've just said, I can see in two different ways. And if you hold on just a moment, maybe I can you can tell me whether I'm fitting with this right. Or, so I can see a post-traumatic stress individual that is um, seeing the opportunity to really focus on themselves and the things that matter most and re reassessing or resetting or, or something along that line. While at the same time frame, I could see individuals who are in high stress environments in private sector uh, jobs or, or just, you know, um, coping or whatever the case may be, being able to really push and challenge themselves in different ways and then learning more about themselves through this journey. So two different parallels, but um, of different types of people maybe tackling a very similar thing around, you know, this mindful, um, you know, leadership. You know, one of the ways to get out of your amygdala is being in a space of oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin uh, not only gets triggered through deep breathing, um, but it, with the feeling of the support of the team, uh, can assist the parasympathetic system. The bottom line is it's about being present. It's about having that mental fitness to say, wow, I'm super stressed right now. Whoa, I'm in a gunfight. I need to breathe. And I, I mean, I remember the first time that I got caught in that experience and uh, we're in a gunfight that we didn't intend to be in. And suddenly I am breathing my butt off uh, as I'm mo moving through my mechanics because that's what I was trained to do. And that keeps me clear and keeps me out of my middle, keeps me in my prefrontal cortex. I'm watching, thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as the senior officer in this situation and directing where we're going. You know, up there on Louise Lake, um, as we're... Uh, as we're around the campfire and, and the team is recognizing, wow, perspective says that we can't go the route that we had discussed. And I'm telling them why. And they're going, wow, we can't go that way. But our goal is to get to Hollow Top Mountain. How else do we do that? And the team that's now tasked with moving for the next day is looking at the map and going, we're going to have to, as Patty just said, we're going to have to go back down and then move another uh, almost 10 miles up and around to get to the other side of the mountain. So now we can approach it from a different direction, um, which is what perspective always gives us, whether we're running our company or we're on a military mission, things are not as I thought they should be. Risk is too high. Um, or we can't afford to do that, whatever that is that we're taking in a context because we're seeking out a diversity of ideas to gain perspective. We now, as we decide what our appropriate action is and commit to that action means that in this moment, yeah, maybe have to breathe a little bit. <laughs> Lee's going to have to put his snowshoes back on. Uh, and we're going to have to head downhill, uh, and, uh, we're going to, we got a long, long movement. Fortunately, that movement is through an alpine greenery of, 
a billion wildflowers and and snow-capped peaks around us, a little bit lower altitude than we intended on going, which is the normal route, but uh, um, you know, still as glorious and uh, and still opportunities for me to geolocate perseverance on a really steep hill so that yeah, everyone it, can still get the same and idea. that i think made it an experience and we we talk about this value of the shift um so there's this concept of uh you know he, he we're talking about fight flight and parasympathetic is really just relax and recovery it's your body's ability to get into a nice relaxed recovery state and so the balance of those two is really important and as i kind of mentioned with stress as information you know fight flight is a good thing uh, we need that to function. It helps us in, in regulating our hormones in performance settings, right? Uh, but if it's too much, just like anything, uh, it's not necessarily going to be beneficial. So it's understanding when you should activate those systems and when you shouldn't, um, or when you need to make a shift ultimately. So when we are, you know, uh, climbing and there's a, a moment where we have to make a, a critical decision, uh, or you're in a particular mission and th there's an objective that uh, has now changed. Right, that's going to require a different state than if you're on base, right? Or if you're um, in training, right? There's just different states of being, and so when we work with high uh, high performers and especially athletes, when it comes to game time, we want them to be have high alert, uh, but good balance so that they can make critical decisions and have the ability to shift not just internal, so they're not just focusing on their own thoughts, but also the external experience, but. When it comes time then after that game, sometimes they can hold on to that same adrenaline for over 24 hours. So if you have like a back-to-back, -back, if you're a baseball player, like you're not ever getting into a recovered state, which means your body's going to wear and tear a little bit faster. So what we train them to do is teach them to get into a recovery state faster. It's required to shift into more of that parasympathetic or relaxed state. But the same is true for if you're a learner. So if you're sitting in a debrief after you've just done an intense uh, mission or you've done an outing, or training, right? You're still you're still jolting, you're still buzzing a little bit, right? Your body's still going or fatigued a little bit, but you need a little bit of alertness, but not the same amount you would for performance. But also you don't want to be too low in recovery, right? Because you don't so it's learning and understanding the difference. And that's where real-time feedback helps with that, but also engaging more consistently. It's not just knowing when you're in your good states, it's also when you're knowing you, when you're out of that state as well. And having that awareness and then action. And, and then ability to utilize that is really critical. So I think the traverse forces you to shift in and out of different zones, depending on where you are, whether you're at camp, eating some great uh, fireside cooked uh, meals, uh, or you're climbing up hollow top and you're straining and you're trying to support the team, trying to achieve the, uh, the mission. Uh, so I think the shift is really important and critical. Um, whether it's pre-deployment, in-deployment, or post-deployment, you need to be shifting differently as well. You can't be at that same level because just the environment, the audience are different. Yeah. Um, Hunter Lee, can you talk about just a short little exercise on day two about focused? Because um, that was just a really short thing, but I think it was really illuminating on, I think some of the examples that you gave is, hey, you're getting ready to throw a football, but there's a whole lot going on around you. Now you need to be focused on where you're going, but also aware of, where the other players yeah, on the field absolutely. are. That's so, so what we're talking about is the, like, the quarterback. Lives. If you're the quarterback of a team and you have a target number one and they are supposed to run a post route and you're looking at them and you're looking at them and then they get jammed up at the line and you're like, oh no, 
we like to say, oh, crap, a little bit more. And then somebody comes from your blind side, but you're so focused that that didn't work out, you're not being aware, right? So what happens a lot of times is you have this everything in front of you. Uh, imagine playing chess and you're making all of these moves and you're taking their pieces. They're taking a few of yours, but you're making headway. And then all of a sudden they make a move and they say check. And you're like, oh, no. And you just turn into survival mode. And you're just trying to survive, survive, survive. And you're not actually still analyzing the game anymore. You're just trying to survive. So what happens is this shift from this broad external, I'm king of the world, queen of the world, I see everything in front of me, back to I'm just trying to survive. And that happens a lot of times when things don't go to plan or our mental scripts are disrupted. And guess what? Chaos is really good at this. And that's why we say lean into chaos because it's not if, but when that thing is going to occur and it's going to shift your plans. And it's understanding the focus shift isn't to just focus on the internal state, but it's to also recognize both the internal and the external. And the fluidity in which you can shift between the two is really true focus. Because if we hyper-focus on one element, yeah, that might be helpful at some points, but also you're missing some small details. But you also don't want to be too under-focused because you know what? You need to be focusing on these critical elements. So it's a balance of the two. And if you find yourself in one or the other, that's a great time to just become more aware and to make that shift because that's information itself as well. Okay, this is the situation when I, I hyper-focus. This is the situation when I under-focus. Recognizing those situations can encourage for you to be, become more mentally fit and try to make that shift a little bit more smooth. And the more that you do it, the more fluid it becomes. A lot of the language that we're using that Hunter is, is explaining is really at the core concept, mindfulness, but it's through a mental fitness lens. And <clears throat> just for a, a practical application, the, the, the relevance of the traverse to mental fitness is exposed in three simple elements which at the top of Hollow Top, um, I asked Chris if I could address the group to bring to their attention more of a 360 perspective, a holistic take on our return back down to the mountain in a safe manner. And it's three simple uh, components of what is going on in your environment, really asking yourself, is there a certain level of fixed or flexible nature in my environment? What sort of leeway does there exist? Uh, what is the audience that I am keeping? What's the nature of the relationship? What's the, what's the bonding agent that I have with these people? Uh, and this is all universal in all aspects of life. And then the third component is, what is my emotional self really saying to me right now? So if we can triangulate environment, audience, and emotional self, we're mindfully navigating, which in, in layman's terms is we're creating more time and distance between the stimulus of life and our knee-jerk response for goal-directed behavior. So if we can mindfully navigate moments, which the Hunter and I were speaking earlier, name the, uh, we had to identify the traverse in one word, what would it be, right? That was the exercise that we were trying to engage in. One word, what would we choose? Right. And we came up with adaptability. Adaptation was one for me to adapt in uh, across a, a myriad of settings. So when you think about the rate in which you can adapt mindfully, because this notion of mindfulness actually has science, as Chris mentioned earlier, that, that, uh, from an anatomical standpoint can reduce the size of the amygdala. Mindful meditation, pre and post functional MRI looks at the size of the amygdala 
the emotion center is, is actually growing smaller because of mindful meditation practice. So what does that really mean? Through notions of adaptation, we're becoming more accepting of our internal language. Uh, the, the, the story that Chris mentioned earlier with the team leader, that negative self-talk, what was happening was, was paramount levels of judgment. Of am I? I don't think I thought I was ready for this. I, I I packed for it. I planned for it. I brought everything that I was supposed to. But here I am in this moment. That negative self-talk is one of judgment. So if we can mindfully navigate our environment, our audience, and our emotional self, we're striving for equal balance, for attentional and emotional regulation through massive amounts of repetition mm. with a ton of feedback, which Hunter mentioned earlier. That's flow state. Folks, that's how we get our, that's how we get into our optimal zone of functioning. And it is riddled throughout the military uh, policy procedure training. But what happens is when stress is not perceived as information, then that internal threat becomes more dominant and our mental script becomes skewed. So again, to mindfully navigate is to, to triangulate that's, that's your really cool. so like the, audience um, and emotional self. I'm just curious now all that you guys did this and it didn't quite turn out and you had a plan B, did you did you ever think of maybe we want to build that into the curriculum and uh, disrupt the whole thing to cause that initial, <laughs> oh, I thought we were doing this, that really makes you start focusing in more because now all of a sudden you're going to become a lot more aware of everything is going that's going on because you thought you had it all figured out. You know, the great thing about doing things in the mountains <laughs> is that uh, the mountains change it all up on you anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, right now I've had a number of clients or a number of possible clients approach me and say, hey, I want to do this again. And, and they said that they want to do it again in the end of September. And <laughs> I'm thinking that it might be an opportunity for snowshoes because uh, end of September at 10,000 feet. I don't know what will happen to weather. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, and the truth is, is that at first I, I had a bit of a, a negative reaction to that date. And, uh, and I do need to be concerned about, you know, when the weather starts creating risk, that's great enough that I need to be concerned about the risk. Uh, however, um, um, there's enough terrain there that I can adjust the route to mitigate risk um, and and still have the experience because the experience that we had was was extraordinary. And I think that the experience that we had. I, I took take a bunch of notes here as we were going through this. And we originally started this off by talking about genuine leadership. And so you can certainly see by everything that you guys have just talked about. How if you applied all of these skills in a in an everyday setting, whether like you guys mentioned, it's the office, it's you know home life, it's um, you know in the field type of setting, you know whether you're in the military, the private sector, it doesn't really matter. We're all dealing with our own individual challenges of the day, um, and by using a lot of these skills that you provide through the traverse, they can apply them as a leader in everyday type of settings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so how long is the total that's event? The what what's the, the total traverse? Okay. It's well, four days and three nights. Four days and three nights. 
So the uh, the uh, the elevator speech is over four days and three nights and twenty five hundred twenty five miles and and four ten thousand foot summits. Uh, you know that's the experience. Well, you know the key there is is having the experience. And what is super cool is the is the quality of clients. The what's super cool is the you know the extraordinary classroom that you're in. What's super cool is, uh, you know, you're unplugged really for four days because we're outside of cell phone reach. But probably what's the greatest thing is watching that genuine leadership rise to the top. It's watching Philip recognize that's a lot of negative self-talk that's going in my mind. And that's why I moved back. And I think I do that all the time in my regular life. And you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore because I know what it. I now have a geolocation. I have a spot right in front of the, you know, the head wall going into going into Luis Lake that I can geolocate that moment when I start feeling like I'm not good enough. No, no, I am good enough. All I do, all I need to do is step to the front and have How the courage. How many people at the end of the this decision thing came up to you, uh, Chris, and just were like, "When's the next one?" See, I mean, I mean, I could totally you know, see have, based on the way you guys are describing that that opportunity to have the self-reflection, to learn and grow and um, take away some tools that can be used in everyday life. But I think that self-reflection, that that piece that you were talking about, being unplugged, being in nature's um, classroom, um, you know, and, and really that, that piece that we talked about in perspective, you know, action and commitment causing an individual to really be hyper-focused on everything that's going on, where at the end of this thing, they're probably going to feel really good about themselves and, and uh, probably knowing they're, they're going to want another hit of dopamine at some point, you know? And, you know, we, we head down to the United <laughs> States most classic bar, mm -hmm. the Cody bar, the pony bar in pony Montana. Uh, and we celebrate um, over your own choice of beverage. Um, oh, wow. and uh, and I hand out a V forty two knife for all of the participants. So now they have uh, they have a V forty two, which is what you know is on the uniform of uh, you know it's on my special forces patch and it's on Kansas patch as well. It's it is the it is the symbol of the first special service force. And, um, and the whole point of that knife um, is to be a memory of that super cool feeling that I just felt like on day four, when I just walked down the mountain and I'm in the sun and I just stepped down a pony and I'm in this amazing spot and I feel great. Well, I hope you feel that feeling every time you look at that knife, because, what a uh, you know, you are good enough to summit all top mountain. You are good enough to make all that. It's super cool. And, you know, we talked about this in episode, episode 151. I knew this sitting on a cot in Mali in 2010, thinking about my someday life when I tra transitioned from the military and to be able to bring an experience like this. We all have experience in the military and what, Lee and Hunter have just done. So is we're going to have audience members that are going to be pushing something that's in the great, U.S., but then there are going to be some of those that 
or either deployed to some other or uh, assigned currently in some other country or specifically those that are maybe UK, Canada, um, Australia that are listening to this or someplace in Europe. Is there an opportunity to take this to other countries? That's the plan. I mean, COVID is the only thing that slowed me down on that. I mean, I had already planned on going to Patagonia last year. Um, I've had, I've talked to, I've talked to uh, German soft guys that, uh, you know, we were looking at doing one in the Schwarzwald. Uh, uh, I've, I've, uh, I have a good buddy and a guide in uh, Argentina that we have a route in Patagonia planned. So that's, that is the Kansoff, um, uh, and and the veterans of Kansoff have been part of uh, the curriculum building of this whole thing. So it is something that is that's the intention is that it goes. Um, yeah, it goes most definitely in different places. Well, and I think uh, that we're all very similar yeah, in that right? sense, right? It doesn't matter where you're from; you're still dealing with the same types of challenges. Hunter, you were going to say something? Yeah, it's just. Uh, for myself, not being uh, from the military, but having a, a high athletic background, you know, I did stuff that I, I've never done before, but it was cool to also do that alongside people who are part of the military, but also have never done some of that stuff before, too. And so it's kind of for everyone that you're going to experience something new, which, again, brings its own set of learning opportunities and growth opportunities, um, which makes it really exciting. No doubt. So what if people want to listen to this and they want to learn more about it and participate, Chris, how, how can they get in contact with you? How can they learn more about this? And if they want to do some research, you know, Lee and Hunter about some of the things that even you guys mentioned, are there opportunities for them to just dive deeper into the, the mindfulness and in the stuff that we talked about? Yeah. So you can go to uh, mindflappytraining.com. We have a website. We also same uh, handle on Instagram, mindflappytraining.com, uh, uh, But we also do virtual training as well. So uh, we do in-house training. Uh, we'll do travel depending on the size of the team. Uh, but we've also done some virtual training. We recently had a, a recent Super Bowl uh, winning uh, player, uh, do some work for the LA Rams and we were out in Philadelphia. So we, we, we bring this for both the virtual uh, we also bring it in person. Uh, so it depends on the group. So uh, if you're interested, you can reach out to us, um, Dr. Stevens at mindflathytraining.com. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. But also, we really want to build a global community of people who are enthusiastic and engaged in mental fitness. So even if you're just looking for questions, even if you uh, know somebody who might be interested, you know, feel free to re reach out to them, give us, uh, connect with us, and, and we're more than welcome to have a conversation with you. Yeah, and before we turn it over to Chris, you know, one of the conversations I had with Hunter and Lee both was, um, especially when we think about some of the special operations organizations in the military, um, I have likened them to, you are professional athletes, you are a professional sports team, right? It's just that maybe you're not putting baskets in nets or, you know, throwing footballs and touchdowns, but when you think of the training, the focus, the nutrition, um, the best of equipment, the best resources you can come by, and I think one area where we're, we're continuously getting better in is the mental piece. And, you know, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Oftentimes we self-select out of trying big things. Um, people that, that, you know, throw their, their hat in the ring are generally the folks that wind up in these organizations. But instead of looking at mental fitness as something I mm -hmm. need after a deployment where things didn't go particularly well and I'm struggling with some things, you know, Hunter and Lee are talking about what can we be doing on the forefront so that when we deploy or when we go into an operation or a boardroom, 
how much stronger are we? Yeah. And they're in there. I think those are, I think that's a, that's a mind shift. No pun intended uh, mm-hmm. on how we approach mental fitness. Thanks Patty. I mean, that was, uh, that was the big thought. What Patty just said of why we wanted to, to bring us together and talk about, uh, talk on your podcast, because I know your, your audience can get that. You can get that message out to your audience that, that that mental fitness piece, uh, uh, yeah, it's great on the traverse, uh, but uh, uh, there's an audience that could use that right now, uh, uh, and and be very useful. Uh, so what what mindful athlete brings is some some pretty powerful stuff. Um, ultimately, if you're looking at information on the traverse, uh, my website at azimuthleadership.com. You click on the traverse tab there's there's a bunch of cool videos and some pictures and uh and some testimonials from the crew from this one and, and past traverses um also uh, uh well you know go there uh or connect with me on linkedin uh that i i regularly post on linkedin on on what we're doing or future events and and, and where they're all heading out to i mean i'm i'm hoping that uh that I do uh, have a greater client base that can that can allow for uh, doing this, and you know, instead of hollow top, it's the Matterhorn. Uh, that would be really cool. Uh, and I think that you know, the curriculum. I like what you said, Patty, about being proactive. And, and, um, I think if we can get ahead of this a whole lot earlier, uh, we'll be a whole lot better off. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in the military or not. If you're already you know, looking for ways to do either team building or ways in which to to do self-improvement and those types of things. This is a perfect way to do that. Back in the day, you know, there there used to be a, a lot of funds that were available by private sector companies to be able to do team building events. And they did a lot of ropes courses and everything else. But this is putting things in a whole new perspective. And in some ways, I would almost want members of my team, especially maybe not to necessarily go themselves, but to be somewhat disconnected and go into another other groups and have to form teams or have to be a team member once again and realize that challenge that goes through it because there'd be so much that they would gain back from it. Well, at the same time frame, I could see team events that could be very useful in the same type of setting. So um, kudos to you, Chris, for um, you know putting something like this together and finding ways to challenge um, individuals and thinking. I know Azimuth Consulting has been around. Like you said, 151, we talked a lot about it and some of the stuff that you were doing back in the day. And I think this is just really additive in uh, teaming up with Hunter and Lee and, and uh, the stuff that they brought to the podcast here today is has been tremendous. Patty, it's always good uh, seeing you and thanks for so much for co-hosting with me today. But um, thank you all for being on the podcast and for sharing this amazing story and journey. Uh, the stuff that they brought to the podcast here today is has been tremendous. Patty, it's always good uh, seeing you, and thanks for so much for co-hosting with me today. But um, thank you all for being on the podcast and for sharing this amazing story and journey. Yeah.